This is Working the Beat. It is Tuesday night, December 10th, 2019. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us. Day after an Eagle win. Ugly win. Does it matter? Does it matter, though, because they are tied for the lead in the NFC East. One more guy told me last night that their season was over if they lost. Season's not over if they lost. If if they lose this week, their season's not over. If they but, win this week and the Cowboys lose to the Rams, the season isn't. What doesn't anybody get about this? I, I don't. Um, they have to beat the Cowboys, unless the Cowboys lose to the Rams and the Redskins. I guess that's the one way it could happen. Right. And they beat the Cowboys, or no, the Cowboys beat them. But yeah, but well, they got to beat the Cowboys. Cowboys are coming in here in two weeks, yeah, and they got to win the game. And it's as simple. It's, it's as simply put as that. <clears throat> and the good news was you didn't have to listen to Booger and <laughs> I actually. And I, and I like Booger. I actually, when I got home today, when I got home today, I watched part of the game. The second half, I watched it on fast forward. If I had a dollar for every time Booger said rhythm or tempo, he said it a hundred times. And if you combine, now that, I get it. If he, you combine that. If you combine that with a dollar every time they showed the Manning family booth. Well, but that was going to happen. That, yeah. that, 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 I, I get that. But there's got to be another word, pace. I don't know. I, I get what Booger was saying. Yeah. He was not wrong. No. But, geez, not every other sentence. And, and, and but, but can, by the way, can Brandon Graham, and I understand why, can he stop when he's going into the locker room when you're six and seven, having beaten a two-win team in overtime, not look at Derek Gunn and say, yeah, you know, it's us against the world. Us against- Dude, you're six and seven. I understand. And I, I guess he does a lot of it in fun with, with Gunner. I get it. But please, just get, smile for the camera. Go in the locker room. Enjoy the fact that you didn't lose for the second straight week to a two-win team. At this point in the season, which probably has never happened in Eagles history, you know, I mean, come on. I get it. You should be happy the way you played in the second half. Be, what, it was part you, part the Giants. The Gi- That coach should be, if he ain't gone. Oh, he's gone. A flea flicker on third and 14. Really? The flea flicker's supposed I would to bet surprise G- you, right? I would bet that Dave Gettleman, the GM, is gone too. Perhaps. And that, they got, that team is devoid of talent, but we'll, but they were beating you seventeen to three, and well, you have to play them the last week in a game that might mean something. It might also be Eli's farewell too. I'm just saying they were beating you seventeen after what happened in Miami, right? How do you not come out? Well, with something, something. Let, let let's point out who our guest is going to be. We're going to have Marcus Hayes on tonight to talk about the Eagles and all things yeah. Eagles from down there. Uh, last night, I was down there last night as a fan. Did you stay for the whole game? Yes, I did. Good for you. Um, and I got to admit, the drive home was way easier than it's ever been after an Eagle game. Because I get the feeling a lot of people decided not to go or decided to leave early. Like? What was it? Was there big? There was pockets of empty seats. Okay. Uh, there was a decent number of people who, after they missed the field goal mm-hmm. in the fourth, mm-hmm. um, Decided that the rain had enough. And ironically, the rain had kind of stopped at that yeah. point, too. Um, because I'm watching that So game, we'll talk to Marcus about uh, everything connected with this. There was a point, though, where I knew that the Giants weren't going to win. Right. Not as much as the Eagles were. Well, when they didn't score another point after they scored 17. I, no, I no, no. But I'm, but I'm saying, 
like the midway through that, there was a, there was a point in that second half where I just said, okay, the Giants are done. I, I didn't know if the Eagles would have enough to, you know, to do it. Um, and that fourth and one, they, you know, if Wentz doesn't get that, I guess maybe they don't. Who knows? Uh, but let's also talk <clears> about the news of the day. Alshon Jeffrey season is officially over. Well, you knew that last oh, night. Yeah, I know. Reportedly right. over. I so shouldn't that means say They're going to dress more than three wide receivers tomorrow next well, week. You know, and, and that's the other thing. And we'll talk about this with Marcus. Howie. This is, am, am, are we wrong on Howie? No, no. Look, he had a great year. He's not having a great year. The coach isn't having a he great year. He hasn't had a good two years. But he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. You, you get, like, extra credit for that. It's kind of like, you know, when you do stuff for the teacher and and, and you, you... You don't get the forever pass, though. We're not asking for a forever pass. We're two years removed. What What is it, a forever pass? Forever pass is like if four or five years from now we're having this conversation... And you say, what has Howie done in the last four or five years? That's fair. Not two years later. Okay? And the, the owner is not getting rid of Howie. I I'm hate not to saying the news, he is. But, you, but you're intimating that he should. And I'm saying... I think that there is some legitimate issues that have to be addressed with this personnel department. That's yes. fine. But that doesn't mean that Howie should be gone. There's a difference between saying we need to adjust. The coach shouldn't be maybe calling the plays for all I know. Well, and that's a whole different issue. But, and we'll get into but all. But you don't the, get rid of a guy. We'll get into all this with Marcus. That's fine. But you don't get get you don't. When I and look and, and they had injuries. They, they they have obviously they have injuries. But I have a cut like, what happened to Dallas Goddard? When they drafted Dallas Goddard, was not he supposed to be like the Hernandez to the Gronk? Or yeah, I mean I'm not saying they were going to be that, but he's supposed to be pretty good. The other tight end was the guy catching the four balls last night or whatever he caught. Yeah, I think I never heard two, right? What happened to him? And how can any team, if the, the Redskins is... You week, ever see a team that when they caught a ball just fell down as much as this team? Well, they, they got guys playing that... I know we're bitching after a they win. They got but, guys playing that shouldn't even be in the league, probably. Yeah, how about, the, how about tight end one? If, I will say this. If the, the next team that plays the Eagles under this current circumstances that doesn't double team Ertz, they should the, the owner should call down during the first quarter. How can he get that open when your other options are Ward um nineteen and and your third string tight end? You gotta be if the Redskins don't come out this week. I don't even know what the Redskins. I know the running back's not going to play, which I guess helps the, the quarterbacks hurt. Quarterbacks hurt. Okay, whatever. They've been playing better, but Ertz has to get double teamed. How many times last night did they throw to him when he was fairly wide open? Yeah, I know. And I'm just sitting there going, "Huh, Mike? Mike, they're just look. The Giants uh, are an historically bad defense for the Giants." The, the last time I think they gave up this many points was like 1966. I'll sum it up with something you said last Tuesday night as we play. What I say? The Cowboys could have two more losses by the time they play. Yeah. That's true. The division stinks. And they, they have one. Yeah. But we both liked the Bears last week. Yeah, we did. And, and I like the Rams this week. What are the Cowboys getting? I, I haven't checked. It's I, actually in. It's actually in. Actually, they're given, I think. The it's first line I saw was Dallas giving, but somebody on the radio today said. I think somebody was misinformed, said that um, Dallas was getting like a touchdown, which I don't believe at all. Do you know Dallas has been favored? Like they're they're three and seven in their last ten, I think three and seven. That sounds right. They've been favored, like in every game. Yeah. 
Also on this show, after we talk to Marcus, I'm going to ask Marcus about this. Philly signed tonight, or reportedly, one-year, $14 million deal with Didi Gregorius. He will play shortstop, causes probably a ripple effect. Gene Segura, maybe the third, maybe Scott Kingery the second, might be Kingery at uh, third and, and Segura at second. Here's the more important question I would ask you. Yeah, what's it do for pitching? No, 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 that's my <laughs> second question. Is this going to turn into more than a one-year thing? See, I'm not real excited if it's a one-year thing. I like Didi. I, the, the Didi before he got hurt, I thought this, was, this is a salary. I think right, this is do done you, for structure. In your heart of hearts, do you think that at some point when they can address it better, like next offseason, that he will well, be here more because of the manager? Uh, let, let's be honest. Okay, next offseason you're going to have the uh, – um, Arietta contract off the books. Right. Do you have to give Hoskins money next year? You're going to have to give Hoskins more money. If you want to give him money, right. Real Muto will have a bigger, a better deal next year. Okay. Um, I'm going off the top of my head. I don't have my... By the time we get back to the Phillies, I will... You might... might, I mean, you're going to get rid of Arietta, but you might have to replace Arietta with something that's going to cost something. I mean, so... They're teetering on that luxury tax term, and... They're going to have to make a decision. Paul Hagen and I talked about this tonight, um, and and I kind of want to save that for the second part of the show. But we can get back to it, right? We? But basically, this is John Middleton having to make a decision now. How much do you really want a winner? What is this a Harper thing? Like, is Harper the person that, that put them in this position? No, or are they overpaying at certain other positions? Like, oh, Arietta is a good one. Arietta, okay. I think McCutcheon. They, that wasn't like a. I think they overpaid. Well, McCutcheon wasn't. Cheap. cheap. How about Segura? You want to know what kills him? Thirteen million for Dave Robertson, and that wasn't their fault. No, but, it, yeah, but it, yeah, if you're looking yeah, at yeah, it, yeah. you still yeah. have to fill a bullpen sure. arm, and the, sure, and you got dead money. Yeah, um, I mean, Noel's not making like a great amount of money, is he? No, I mean, they got him relatively. No, I'll, I'll cue this up for our discussion later on. But we, when we come back from this break, we are going to talk. To Marcus Hayes, the fine. No, columnist. Marcus is going to talk to us. Marcus will talk. Okay, let, let's let's get this straight right now. And I do like widows and what do I, what was it? Widows and and no, Jack. that was I think for me. Oh right, right, like right, right, orphans right. and widows, right, or right. Because I said Jack in the Box tacos. Yeah. Um, I like dogs too. You just want to drop a Jack in the Box reference? Are you kidding? I at, one year. It's going to happen. I'm going to celebrate Christmas or New Year's or both with Jack in the Box in my hand. I'm going to figure it out. I don't know. It's I that, might have to go to Maui for that. Phoenix. Phoenix has Jack in the Box. Yeah. Well, Jack in the Box isn't a sponsor, but I hope they you should be. I, I hope I hope your company will. And we'll be back with Marcus Hayes after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work It to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work It to Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, the fine columnist from the Inquirer and Daily News, as Kern says, Daily News Forever. It's Marcus Hayes. Marcus, how are you? Excellent, fellas. How you doing? You know, Marcus and I spent 
several masters together. Yeah, and what was that like? Well, I got to tell you, I didn't understand the profile and shadow and stature of Mike Kern until <laughs> I went down to Northeast Georgia, and he is the absolute mayor of Augusta. I mean, he is it's just amazing he knows he this is how well he knows augusta georgia and it knows him he knows where not to eat italian food <laughs> yeah well that's and, and i know where to play golf on saturday how many italian he knows where to play golf on every day there, there's not there's there's one italian place that somebody made me go one time and there was a greek guy cooking and he, no 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 it's augusta it's a big waffle house place isn't it yes well yeah sure i gotta say but you can do better than there waffle. are superior how about t-bones T-Bones is, you know, that's that's just diff- a different stratosphere. French market, gr- French market Grill? Yes, very, very good. Yeah, we, of, of, of Among Waffle Houses, Augusta's are the very best. I very think. best? They're, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. You're right. You and you and Ruben Frank should have a Waffle House off. No, he's more he's more than me. Really? He, he, oh, he's nuts. He's okay. like with that, like I am with Jack in the Box. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, hey, uh, Marcus, you were down there last night. Um, you know... It's a win is a win is a win, but my God, that I mean, one they looked ugly. Two, they have nobody left. I mean, you know, I, I I don't know how anybody can look at that and feel super confident about them moving forward, except the fact that the Cowboys uh, apparently are 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 like tanking themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know what people exactly expected, right? When they lost. When they lost their number one running back, and they're after losing their number one wide receiver. I mean, yeah, losing Deshaun Jackson's a big deal. It changes who you are as a team. It makes you a running team, maybe a power running team. Well, when you lose your power running back after you've lost Deshaun Jackson, what are you? You know, you you don't have an identity. And these are two upgrades that they made for you know not significant assets for. Jordan Howard, but this is a guy who's averaging a thousand yards a season, three seasons in. He's a real player, and he's been out with a stinger for you know four games now. So it's just you can't lose in a salary cap world. You can't afford to lose front line guys at those types of positions. You can lose an offensive lineman, you can lose an expensive offensive lineman, but you cannot afford to lose a front line running back or a frontline receiver and expect to be the same. And you can't expect to lose both and really content. Hey, Marcus, why, and I'm sure there's a good answer to it, but since everybody's wondering, why did they only dress three wide receivers last night? Was it because they only had three wide receivers? Well, they believe that Josh Perkins, who's kind of a hybrid right. okay. receiver tight end, is better than their younger options on the practice squad. Okay. And sure. there was probably a 70% chance that, Al, or that Nelson Aguilar could play. But given the weather, given who they were facing, you know, given his, his total value, his overall performance, they thought that they could give him another week of rest and, you know, sort of have him for the stretch run. I, I think they thought that last night, which should have been a little bit easier. And if they had better cornerback play, we probably wouldn't be having this alarmist conversation. I mean, their cornerbacks were horrible in the first half. Mm-hmm. If they had better cornerback play against Eli, we're probably not having this conversation. 
And if you have to value the last four games, this is probably the easiest of the games because two of them are on the road and the other one's against Dallas. You know, it went New York at home, then Washington on the road, Dallas at home, New York on the road. So you have to figure this would be the easiest game to win. So let's see if we can get one more day of rest, one more game of rest from both Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Howard, the the running back who, you know, I would – if he was cleared for non-contact stuff last week, I'd be surprised if he's not back this weekend. Marcus Hayes joins us from the Inquirer. Marcus, when you look at um, Carson Wentz, and, and you you wrote a couple columns that were critical about the way he played, and rightfully so. I mean, he has not had a good year. And then, obviously, after what happened in the second half, where he's throwing to literally feels like four guys off the street and finds a way to win a game, Everybody kind of overreacts of, oh, yeah, this is the turning point. This is the drive. Everybody, where is Carson Wentz right now? You know, I don't think it's that complicated. Carson Wentz, you know, from my perspective, was having a very, very good year through Buffalo and Chicago up into the bye week. Mm -hmm. Over the first nine games, that $128 million extension looked warranted. Because they had been decimated by injury, as as we we talked about. I mean, they lost Alshon effectively for two games. Alshon Jeffrey, their number one wide receiver. They lost Dallas Goddard for for a game, and he it probably took him two or three weeks to get really back a hundred percent. They lost Corey Clement and uh, uh, Darren Sproles. You know, these are these were real weapons from the, for this team. They played two games without three games without Jason Peters, their left tackle. They played a game without Lane Johnson. So. All that said, Carson was doing pretty well up until week nine in the bye. Then you come back from the bye, and he's facing back-to-back Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback ever to, that ever lived, and Russell Wilson, arguably the greatest quarterback alive right now, uh, arguably the greatest quarterback playing right now at his peak. You know, Brady isn't what Brady was five years ago. And I think Carson started pressing, saying, okay, I've got to, you know, take it up a notch. Well, he didn't. And he started thinking, okay, I can't make a mistake. I have to be perfect. And he got gun shy for three weeks, including Miami and including the first, what, uh, 40 minutes yeah. of last night's game. Through the second dr- night's game. Yeah, through the second drive, basically, of the third quarter. Is yeah, I mean, you saw, this, you, you saw the same guy that you'd been seeing since the bye, a guy who's afraid to make mistakes. And there's something liberating, I think, about knowing that you have nothing to lose. And after that drive, he realized, look, I have nothing to lose. I, I, I just, ha- it doesn't matter who I'm throwing to. I just have to, th- I have to try to let these guys make these plays. Had he done that the three weeks before, they probably would have won two of those three games because two of those three games are right in the palm of their hand. Had the offense been able to do anything in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So Marcus, where to from here? I mean, the Cowboy game, for the Carson and the team, I mean, a lot of, there's some people that don't care at this point, like what happens because they don't see them doing anything in the playoffs. My feeling is I'd rather have Carson at least play a playoff game, you know, and then go into year five without having played one. And I realize they're not going to the Super Bowl, but what did he, I, I, I know it's a one game at a time, but do, does this team have enough to do what it, has to do in the next three weeks to at least get to the postseason. I have never thought that this team was as good as Dallas. Mm-hmm. I never thought that this team would beat Dallas once. 
Um, and it's not necessarily that Dallas is great. I just think it happens to be a bad matchup for them. Um, the things that Dallas does well are the things that they do poorly, especially offense versus defense. Dallas's offense versus their defense. And we saw that in, in the first Dallas game. They just couldn't they couldn't contain any facet of their offense. When their offensive line is right, when Dallas's offensive line is right, you know, Dak Prescott is not as talented as Carson Wentz, but he's a better game manager and he's a better leader. Um, that said, I mean, if Dallas is as demoralized as they seem to be, and they're a very emotional team. I spent a week down there during Dallas week. And they're a very emotional team. If you don't think that Doug Peterson guaranteeing a win played into them destroying the Eagles, then you're just not paying attention because that was huge. Every single player I talked to, except Jason Witten, said it mattered. And that means Demarcus Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, all of them were incensed by that. So that said, if they are demoralized at this point, if they think their coach is a dead man walking and they can't win in the playoffs and, you know, December football outdoors is, is a hard thing, then, yeah, the Eagles have a shot. But from my perspective, I don't think that they have a real shot against a healthy Dallas team that wants to win. So to answer your question, you know, they have to win the NFC East. They probably have to win in two weeks. And I don't think they can do that. OK. Does it matter, though? If I mean, look, they they've lost what five, uh, like five meaningful games the Dallas in a row or five, some, five, yeah. I mean, they're but even if they make the playoffs, I mean, they have to look at this roster. It's so old. You you, you know, their skill position players, you know, are are brittle. But isn't it better point. to make the playoffs? But I'm just saying, like for the big long term picture of what the organization is going to be or wants to be moving forward. Yeah, it don't make a difference. It doesn't matter if you finish second or or if you get in and you get your butt kicked by Seattle in the opening round, does it? Marcus? Well, that's the thing. I mean, who's to say they're going to get their butt kicked by Seattle, who they had a chance to beat? Who's, yeah. to, who's to say that they get their butt kicked by Minnesota? If, if the, you know, I know Minnesota is not on track to come here, Minnesota, by the way, would be the tougher matchup, I think, because of the way that they could throw, you know, they could throw uh, the two the wideouts out and and just burn the Eagles. The last two teams that went into the playoffs were losing records, both won. I understand. uh, Okay, but we're just dismissing it as if you know. But can they do that? Can they do that with all the scar tissue? Yeah. From Philadelphia, number one. From two years ago. Yeah. In January, outdoors. Minnesota's a dome team with Kirk Cousins. And they play like a they play like a dome team. So, you know, there's no reason to think that they can't win a playoff game. And if you come out of 2019 with Carson Wentz having won a playoff game, yeah. After what Nick Foles did the last two seasons, it doesn't matter what the record was, and it doesn't matter what they looked like getting to the second round of the playoffs. The year has been a spectacular success because since. I want to say March of 2016. The only thing that mattered for this Philadelphia Eagles team is developing Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl was an aberration. It was a blip, but they had surrounded Carson Wentz, who was arguably the MVP favorite at that point, with enough weapons to win the Super Bowl. And I think he would have won it. But me thinking he would have won it versus him going into the playoffs and playing well against what, you know, what was at the time, Minnesota, the, the number one defense in the league. Mm-hmm. That's a, there's a, you know, there's a big difference between me thinking it and him doing it. 
But getting Carson Wentz not only in the playoffs, but a playoff win, especially at home, there's nothing like it. Right. There's just nothing like it. It, it. And I think we've I think we understand that he does have crises of confidence at, the, at this point. There are things that he there, there's a flaw in his makeup that, you know, it can be, you know, overcome or repaired or, you know, destroyed. But it exists. Marcus Hayes joins us. Marcus, settle like, a debate that, that Mike and I have had. How would you rate Howie Roseman right now? Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what the debate was okay. about. No, no, put the debate in proper All terms. Right. Should I, Howie's job status be in question right now? No. Um, I, I think Thanks. Howie has a job for life. Well, don't tell you, no, don't go that far. <laughs> but maybe, no, but maybe not as the general manager. Yeah. Maybe not as the guy who decides who, not, maybe not as the guy who decides who the money gets spent on, but certainly how to spend the money. Howie's kind of a unicorn. The, the, the greatest capologist in the history of all sports, because most sports have only had caps for about 20, 25 years, mm-hmm. some less, is Joe Banner. Yeah. And Joe Banner taught Howie everything. And everything Howie does, cap-wise, Joe Banner continues to praise not just because he's his, you know, he's his protege because Joe, Joe has no loyalty, but <laughs> because what Howie does cap wise is smart because he sees where the market's going and he winds up underpaying top tier talent. So he'll always have a job. The, the smartest thing Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman ever did was hiring Joe Douglas and Andy Weidel, who the guys who, acquired the talent that went to the Super Bowl once everybody got hurt. Now Joe Douglas is in New York with the Jets where I think he's doing an okay job in his first season. Andy Weidel kind of has the keys to the kingdom, but you get the idea that Howie has the veto power that Joe Douglas used to have. So all that said, I don't see Howie having a huge voice in personnel matters regardless of how this season finishes because he's made so many mistakes repeatedly he's making the same mistakes now he he made in 2013 and 14 when he still had say when chip kelly was here marcus matter of fact matter of fact one of his mistakes vinnie curry he resigned yeah they've almost gotten a double down yeah they've almost gotten a little bit of a flyers (laughs) complex of bringing people back that they let go Jordan Matthews That's was right. another one. Vinny Curry, good. Yeah. The wide they're receiver sign, that hasn't played all year. Uh, Marcus, sign Paul, they'll sign Paul Holmgren next, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> when you win a Super Bowl in a town that never won a Super Bowl, how long does the coach, and, and you explained Howie pretty well, but let, let's say the coach. Like, how long would the coach have to not be doing what we think is good for them to say, yeah, you know, maybe it's time. Because I think you get, in, especially in the town, I think your leash is, is, you know, I'm not saying it's it's forever. I'm not saying it's seven or eight years, but I think it might be four or five years. Well, in Doug's case, the, I don't think the clock really started ticking until this year because Doug took another, <laughs> you know, flawed team to the playoffs and won a game last year mm-hmm. and came a drop away from challenging for the NFC championship game. So uh, people for people forget how good a job Doug Peterson did last year with a quarterback who had a broken back, a number one wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, who was what a month uh, into the season before he had recovered from his rotator cuff surgery. Yep. Josh Adams was his leading runner. Josh Adams was his leading runner. Joe, uh, 
what Doug Peterson has done in the last two seasons in Philadelphia, if you objectively look at it, not okay, well they went, they won the Super Bowl, they just barely made the playoffs, and now they're a sub five hundred team. If you grade him in the proper context, he's done a very good job. And let's let's uh, also let's understand that both seasons he had a mole denigrate his starting quarterback in the <laughs> middle of it. Mm-hmm. He had a guy get arrested for on gun and drug charges who was playing for him. He had to cut him that week. Yeah. The year before that, the year, uh, this is the year this is his first this is his first season. He had a he had the same guy arrested twice in Miami. Yeah. Who then had to convert from outside linebacker to middle linebacker in consecutive seasons and took up to the playoffs. I mean, these are I mean, what Doug Peterson has done holding this team together for, you know, almost four seasons now for a rookie head coach with no pedigree and no connections and no reason, you know, if you believe Mike Lombardi, the least qualified coach in 30 years, what he's done is nothing short of miraculous. But does Doug have to change his assistance at the end of the year? Like Mike Groh is obviously on the firing line. And I know injuries have played a large part of it, but that may be the challenge. Well, Mike Groh. The- Mike Rowe was overmatched. Carson needs two new voices in his two different voices in his ear as, as an offensive coordinator and as a quarterback's coach. So Mike Rowe and Press Taylor should probably both be elsewhere, you know, come uh, come January. And it's not necessarily that they're bad coaches. I don't think they're terrible coaches, but I don't think they're good coaches. But Carson Wentz is stubborn. He's selfish. He's hard headed and he's insecure. And you can't be a nice guy and coach that guy. You were the mole, weren't you? <laughs> John DeFilippo, his quarterback's coach, is not a nice guy. No. I'll tell you another little dirty secret. You know who else ain't a nice guy? Frank Reich. Yeah. Frank Reich would jump in his his grill a little more than anybody on that staff will, right? Frank, Frank Reich fears nothing. Yep. Yeah. Is there anybody, Marcus, like, and I know it's way too early for this because they got games to play. They, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But is there, are there any names that you hear like being thrown out there that might be that fit for that? Or is it too early for that? You know, I'm not so, I'm not sure how good a quarterback whisperer he is because I, I wasn't really close to the team when he was here as, as a quarterback's coach and, and then the offensive coordinator. But I know Pat Shermer really well as a person. Mm-hmm. And if and when he leaves that post in New York, Pat is a hard man. And he's a pedigreed guy. He's a three-time head coach. And he doesn't care about anything. And, you know, that's a, that's the kind of guy that Carson needs. And not necessarily as the offensive coordinator, but certainly as the quarterback coach. I don't think Pat will ever take another job you know, lower than offensive coordinator. He's 50 years old and he's got a pretty decent resume, but Pat Shermer would be my guy, you know, and as you said, Kevin, they, they love to bring back their own yep. and Pat Shermer broke into the NFL from, uh, from college as Ray Rhodes tight ends coach. It should he's also coached offensive line and he's also coached quarterbacks and he's also been an offensive coordinator and you and mentioned a head coach and you mentioned D Filippo. Obviously there's a, pretty good chance they're going to do some massive house cleaning in Jacksonville where DeFilippo is right now. He could be in play too. That would be difficult. That would be a difficult uh, move for them. And that the reason I say that is because they weren't sad to see DeFilippo go. Okay. 
it, it's not as though he would have been fired, certainly, and he probably would have been a, the obvious promotion to offensive coordinator. But I think they were kind of relieved to not make that decision, not to have to make that decision. And he might be another guy who's not suited. There are some guys like I don't think Doug would have been a very good offensive coordinator as right. only an offensive coordinator. Like when he was in Kansas City, he wasn't really an offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for like what the last quarter or whatever garbage Andy wanted to say. Right. Doug Peterson is a really good planner, and he's a he's a very very daring soul. But I'm not sure that he would. I'm not sure that if you give him all the keys and all the responsibility, like with a defensive coach, he's going to be, you know, like, um, what, uh, what's his face up in new England? Um, the, uh, 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 Josh McDaniel. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be Josh McDaniel necessarily okay. or Shanahan out in, uh, out, out in, uh, can in, uh, San Francisco. Since we're... But, uh, some guys are spectacular position coaches right. and good head coaches but not good offensive coordinators. And you know who else I think that's true about Andy Reed. Yeah. Who was never an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. He, he came right from quarterback coach. coach. And he went to a head coach, you know? So I think that's Doug's situation. And I think that that, that, that might be uh Pat's situation might be different. He might be not a great head coach, but a great, or I'm sorry, not Pat's situation, DeFilippo's situation. Right. He might just be a quarterback genius. Like some guys are offensive line geniuses, like the guy they have now, Jeff Stoutland, who could get, you know, you, me, and Mike to at least cover Carson's uh, right side. Well, you know, I got skills, Marcus. You know that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Let me flip to the Phillies real quick. Uh, Obviously, you know, they spent a ton on Zach Wheeler. Tonight they go spend $14 million to get D.D. Gregorius for a year. How do you, what do you make of this this offseason to this point? It's successful, but it's also, I think, prudent. Zach Wheeler has a huge upside. I, I think that the, the Zach Wheeler deal will be very valuable, if not a bargain. Didi Gregorius is the kind of presence you need in a clubhouse. And if I'm not mistaken, he's the guy that's going to be playing shortstop, right? Yeah. Okay. That means Scott Kingery's not playing shortstop, which is all that mattered to me. Once you got a starting pitcher, your next free agent move was putting Scott Kingery at second base for 10 years. Well, they're talking now about putting Kingery a third and Segura at second. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> so you so you don't like that move. I just changed <laughs> no, your mind. No. Huh? <laughs> uh, Scott Kingery <clears throat> is the best infield defensive infield prospect they've had since Jimmy Rollins. This would be like putting Jimmy Rollins at second or third base. Yeah. Or center field. It's just dumb. See, you know, you've got a guy who is, I don't know if he could hit his way into the hall of fame, but there aren't going to be too many guys in the hall of fame when he's 35 years old, who have done the things that he's done at second base that they put him there for 10 years. I do like the character aspect because Gregorius has been known as a good character guy in New York. You're going to have McCutcheon back. They need that. Yeah, they they do. They kind of need it more adults in that room. Yes, they do. Especially with what they went through last year with Segura, with Herrera, a couple of the other guys who who would take nights off. You know Gregorius and McCutcheon should have a good grip on that. Would you agree, Marcus? I don't agree that uh, Gene Segura took nights off. I don't agree with that at all. Okay. Um, I agree that, you know, uh, Herrera was... I had dust-ups. How's that? No. He was a professional, and he showed up every day to play. Okay. It was hard to keep him off the field. I mean, no, I mean, 
he 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 dogged it no more than Reese Hoskins did. Okay, Reese Hoskins that's fair and too. Bryce Harper. That's fair too. Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, and Bryce Harper were dogging it a little bit before the break last year too. And I don't blame guys for not running out an odd ground ball or a fly ball. I, you know, I'm not some baseball purist. 160 games is a lot to play, and it takes incredible mental discipline to play it the way that like Chase Utley played it, who was also always hurt, mm-hmm. if you remember. You know, I mean, the best Philly since I've been in Philadelphia, Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins. Yeah. Well, you know, I I would say Jimmy that Rollins had the rep. So no, but, Gene Segura didn't. It was no was no more unprofessional or you know lacking in character than any of the guys I mentioned. And I think we I go to Bill Herrera has has issues that go beyond the baseball right. field. You know I, I would say her I would say Cesar Cesar became a bigger problem, I thought, with that stuff than 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 Segura in the second half. But this all Right. But this, that, that that that's a pejorative against Segura. You're you're implying that Segura is a you know a, a class C problem and Cesar well, is a class B problem. I'm telling you, Sekiro was not that big a problem. Okay. You know, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not fair to him. And I, and I, I will say this, I was disappointed in how Segura sort of comported himself in the clubhouse as kind of like, okay, I'm here. I'll do what I have to do. He wasn't the kind of leader I hoped he'd be, mm-hmm. but he was a professional, you know, yeah, he, he, was. He, he played, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he was, uh, he was available and that's the the greatest ability. So yeah, the Cesar Hernandez dynamic always kind of baffled me. I didn't understand like, like it was almost as though he, who is a, an incredible human being, like he's a good guy and he's a good dad. And he's a good husband. It's almost like, he's like, well, I made it now. Mm-hmm. I can sort of mentally take la- I have these mental lapses and we know he's not a lazy guy. No. It's just like he had some sort of focus issue or something, you know? I, I think the organization and, and the player both overvalued their worth yeah, or their, okay. or their status. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. Because the organization I, I blame, held on to him way too long. And I blame Gabe Kapler and Matt Klintak for that because he should have been, the, should have been what Scott Kingery was, the super utility guy. This is a guy who played shortstop, certainly could play third base, play second base and can play every outfield position. Scott Kingery's a stud second baseman. I have not, you know, and that's my analytics are, that's my argument against analytics. Sometimes you have to look at the player and say, Hey, even if Scott Kingery is a B plus third baseman Mm -hmm. and a, you know, uh, solid B center fielder, he's an A plus second baseman. So, the aggregate score of the, the aggregate grade for the whole team is going to rise with an A plus second baseman because A plus players win you games. All right, they all right. just do. And yeah, we had we had Todd Selecki on last week, and Todd's comment was he thinks they're counting on the fact that just being a better managed team is going to be a, be a huge difference. Do you buy that at all? No, no, no. Okay, absolutely not. I mean. They, they, they've hired a manager. I, I don't think Girardi's a bad manager. I don't think he's like a genius or anything. They hired a manager to sell tickets. You know, that's what they did. You know, it's just, it's just that simple. I, I don't think Joe Girardi could have gotten five more wins out of the, the Phillies of, of last year or the year before they were flawed. Their, their makeup was flawed. The division was too good. And, you know, they were about a 500 team in my eyes, both years even though 
I think they kind of overachieved in one year, the first year, and the expectations were outsized because of the lack of depth of, of the rotation after your very first pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, after your first pitcher, you've got a bunch of fours and a couple of fives and a you know a couple of sevens. So that was the that was the issue much more than the you know strange, awkward, unusual, and often uh, mystifying manager situation. So I don't think they really think that Joe Girardi is going to win them 94 games next year. I think they, I think they think that he might not lose them a couple of games. They won't lose them any more fans. So where are we teeing off tomorrow, Marcus? I heard they're going to pay us if we play tomorrow. Lord, I wouldn't play golf in tomorrow's 36 degree rain, <laughs> snow, sleep mix. If uh, now if it was Augusta, if yeah, no, Augusta. you would. No, no, no. If it was Saturday at Augusta, we would be out there figuring it out, and then we would go to Bojangles on the way home. And yeah, you, and you would scold me for ordering white meat. I yeah, I would. You don't yeah. order white meat at a, at a fried chicken place. That's that's insane. You, uh, I need a hot water bottle to uh, to get me through the hey, meal. How about the place? Saw me out. How about the place in Pinehurst? We went the barbecue place up in um, at the airport. That little airstrip. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that I was good, t- right? I've got a T-shirt from there. I, I've been back four times. Pick and pig. Pick and pig. <laughs> well, pick and pig T-shirt. Now, my Marcus, Marcus, T-shirt, Marcus my, gives my me advice. Pig, my pick and pig T-shirt says. I like pig butts and I cannot lie. Well, yeah. No, he's great. Like, cause he's from the, he's like, he knows Southern for it. And cause he's got relatives down there and he'll tell you when you're ordering stuff, Mike, what are you ordering that for? And I'll be like, cause, cause I like that. Nah, Mike, you gotta get now, the pork chop. Now, yeah, you we, can't get the, yeah. you know, and he's, and his advice is, you know, usually on the mark. Yeah. It's pretty like, good. Man, it's like, it's, it's like when you go to a hoagie shop or an Italian place with Mike Kern, you let him order for you. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a brother who was a chef, right? I did, yeah. yeah I worked so at his restaurants, yep. That's right. So you had you had firsthand knowledge. Yep, firsthand I, you, knowledge and lots of experimentation, as you can tell. And of course, <laughs> my my best story with Marcus and Augusta was the day you got the guy in the turban. He comes back. I'm like, so, so Marcus, what? what are you writing? You're writing Phil Mickelson. You're writing Tanya. Nah, I got a guy in a turban. A what? <laughs> he had this whole story about how he'd found this guy in a turban who traveled like thirty thousand miles to watch the man. Really, it was awesome. He was from- it he was, was awesome. from like he was from like Malaysia or Indonesia <laughs> or somewhere, and he was a Sikh and he was wearing a turban. But more than the <laughs> turban, he was wearing a T-shirt explaining why he was wearing a turban. Like, so you don't have to ask me. You're the reason <laughs> I'm wearing a turban. Listed on his back, and he's by himself. He won like some regional golf tournament. She shot like you know eighty, eighty-two, and won the tournament. And believe it or not, first place was an all-expense-paid trip. To the masters. masters, it was just like some country club got masters tickets, and you know got you know they bought him a flight, put him up in, in a nice hotel, and got him seven you know uh, uh, all all three practice rounds and all four days. N- nicer than our hotel, nicer than our uh-huh. hotel. Well, our hotel is fine. I mean, it's it was nicer fine. Than the hotel yeah. nicer than the hotel that I stayed in the first year. That uh, yeah, I put the uh, I, I think I had to buy a piece of plywood to make sure the bathroom had a floor so the snakes didn't crawl up from the i'm not making any of no, this he's, no he's, he's, I, he's telling the i've truth. heard this there's story creek, actually there's a creek that runs down down by the highway about a mile from uh, augusta national which isn't a very nice city and augusta's not a very nice city it's not a very nice like it's a it's an industrial not an industrial but a uh a, a corporate neighborhood it's uh, like strip malls and 
grocery stores and stuff. So this little uh, this little hotel, I had the last room and the lowest spot, and I walked into the bathroom, and the floor gave. Oh, you know what I mean? Like the wood was soggy and rotten. Oh, so I went God. out and I bought a piece of plywood to to put down in the soggiest, most rotten places, so oh, I could God. get from the door to the shower. And back without, you know, my foot falling through like Chevy Chase in Christmas right. Vacation. And the great thing is if you went to that hotel tomorrow, that floor would still so be like that. that. Exactly. I, might, I, I swear to God, I don't think they rent it out more than like seven days a year, you know. Marcus, how come you have better stories with Kern than you'd have when we were together on the Phillies beat? You know? Well, because we had to work on the Phillies beat. Yeah, this, That's we true. had fun at Augusta. That's true. A lot of bad press box food. I know that, you know, bad press box food. And, you know, what do you, the, the worst thing about covering baseball is those, you know, four thirty, five o'clock wake up calls after night games in Atlanta. To get on the Florida, plane. You know, yeah. you, you're getting on, you don't even know if you're getting on the right plane, you know, you're so tired and that's like what, probably four times a month. You're in that situation. Covering golf ain't, ain't nearly that hard. Yeah. Plus, plus how many trips in golf do you get to go to St. Louis and St. Louis? I hate St. Louis. Bell Reeve. St. Louis, 1992 PGA. You like the uh, the entire, yeah, right. The entire, uh, the entire National and American League Central divisions. You can have those road trips. (laughs) Exactly. I don't even like. I don't even like like Chicago, especially not in the summer. You know. Oh, anyway, Marcus, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a happy holidays to you and the family. Be good, pal. I I got those sunglasses for you. We'll figure it out. Thanks a lot, pal. Okay, man. Thanks, Marcus Hayes. Marcus Hayes for joining us here on Working the Beat. Mike Kern and I back. We we actually had a nice conversation going that you screwed up. I screwed up. So it's okay because that's your area. uh, We were talking about uh, a lot of things. We were talking about, you know, one great part about being around Marcus was the fact that Marcus is going to give you his mind, a piece of his mind. He's very well informed. He gives you. How he feels, and that's how a columnist should be. And, and look, he's not always going to be right. He's probably right more than he's wrong. And there's times when I read Marcus, I just go, huh? Like, really? Because he'll say things, and he me. I mean, he, he, what Marcus tends to do is he'll make absolute statements. Michael Vick is the best running quarterback ever in the NFL. And you might say, well, maybe, you know, rant, whatever. But when Marcus says something like that. that's the beauty of sports. But that's Marcus. Yeah. But he won't say... He won't say one of the best. Like he said today when we were on about um, the quarterback in Seattle. Well, he's the best quarterback right now. Well, okay, that's an opinion. I wouldn't argue that he should be in the conversation. I don't know if he's the, the best right this minute. Is he better than Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. He's a different kind of quarterback. He's better than Lamar Jackson. I, well, yeah, well... Yeah, you could you could probably make an argument with three, four, five guys, and mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure a lot of people would take Russell Wilson. Yeah, He's, he might be. Well, he would be the MVP if it wasn't for the guy in Baltimore. But, um, but yeah, that's what columnists should do. Columnists should get you either they should get you upset sometimes. They should. Because if they didn't, they're not doing their job. Nah, not really. It, it you know, if, if you just read a columnist and go, oh, that was a well written piece, and sometimes that is. Right. It's just you know that's what you have to do that day. That it's not about stirring up. Something, but Marcus can Marcus can stir that pot. Uh, Mike and I then had transition, and we'll start this conversation, but not in as much detail about kind of the Phillies contract situation. Now, after the TD Gregorius, one year, fourteen million. They're about two or three million, depending on where you rank the numbers and how they crunch them, uh, away from the luxury tax, which is two hundred eight. 
And, you know, you're going, well, how does a team like this get, you know, to the threshold of a, a luxury tax when, to be honest, you're not that, how do I say this nicely? They're not that good. Well, they're good. They're, they're not good enough. Right. They're, they're, you know, it seems like you're not getting the bang for your buck. They're not a bad team. No, but you're not getting the bang for your buck. Well, maybe you, you go out and sign it. Jake Arrieta, which, you know, I 20 said million the, I said uh, tw- the time is because to me, you were getting him at the end right. of Jake Arrieta. You were paying him for what he did in 2015 or 14 or whatever year. I guess the Cubs won the, the World Series or the year before that. Um, so you're not getting that Jake Arrieta. He's been injured and he's been whatever. But, and, and the fact that scares you is you're 2 million, you're at the cap. Let's just say for sake of argument. Right. And you have. You don't have no four or five pitchers, really, well, that you care about. Jake Arrieta towards the competitive balance tax. And if you're a baseball fan, you should have this bookmark. It's uh, it's Cots Baseball Contracts. Go MLB Contracts, blogspot.com. And it has every team's payroll. And it has the contract situation going out till 2024, at least. It gives you a length of deals and everything as it gets recorded. It's a good place. While Jake Arrieta is only making $20 million next year, according to this, on his competitive balance tax, which is what the main number is that you're gauging, he's $25 million. See, because of bonuses see, that are... that's paid. where people lose me. I, I know. That's why you will never see me on that site. Somebody <laughs> will, No, really. Cause well, spend, I had to use it for I get work. It. You're the Phillies writer. I understand that, but please... Uh, it, 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 there, there are so many how people understand salary caps. I remember Jasner in the NBA. I, I used to, and Phil was really good at it. And I would just say, you know, you're kidding me. Um, but that's what guys get paid. That's what contact but, gets paid money for, I guess. And 20, 20 million against your cap. Well, or 25 million basically against your tax and, and for what a 38 year old. Is he 37, 30, 37 what, and whatever. It was a bad, it was a bad, it was contract. A bad contract, but they, anytime in baseball, you sign a pitcher, you take a chance. Yeah. The team signing, the, the, the Phillies are taking a chance with Wheeler. The team's going to sign Madison Bumgarner, mm-hmm. who should get at least as much money as Wheeler, you would think, or around that same amount of money, because he's a more accomplished pitcher. Um, You're taking a chance. But, Mike, where I think you look at it, too, look, you have that contract. Dave Robertson's $11 million. Well, that, You can't do anything you about that. You can't do anything about that. It happened. Uh, Herrera, Herrera, seven and a half. Can't do anything about that. You, you, and next year he goes up to ten and a half. Um, when they signed him, that's another guy. And yeah. I was just like, really? He had like two good months, it, and and he'll be an all star for three weeks, and then he'll be crapola for you know. It, it's just, but the Phillies, not I shouldn't just say the Phillies, but teams do that. They mm-hmm. because that's the world we live in now. And the minute you don't sign Herrera. And he goes to another team, and he's an all-star the next year. Then everybody's, why do you sign Herrera? You know, and it's just, it's it's almost like a no-win proposition. The only way you win is if your team makes the playoffs and does something. Yeah, they, I mean, now in, in, in Washington, they're all upset that they're not going to probably sign Rendon because the owner came out and said, we probably can't sign Rendon in Strasburg. And people were like, what did you think? They were going to give two guys $600 million? Like, did you really think especially that? when you already have a starting pitcher who's making thirty five million? No, especially in, in, when you just won a World Series. Because, well, but but I'm saying you know you have Scherzer making about thirty five million, right? But the Nats Corbin's making twenty five million. I mean, right. you're 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 top head, and the Nats probably you're never going to win another World Series. In I the won't next go that 50, far. No, I'm saying the next whatever. The, right. That was 
that was almost like the Eagles mm-hmm. two years ago. And God bless them. They caught fire. They they won, you know, a couple big games, pivotal games. Um, but yeah, God bless them. But you know, now they're Washington. Well, we really want Rendon. Okay, well, fine. Sign them on when you're paying $150 for your, you know, your upper level ticket because the guy's got to pay $100 million in luxury tax. I mean, but fans don't care. They, they don't, you know. So if if they, if this is the two major moves they make this offseason. Probably is. Is it good enough? Don't know. I don't, who, who knows what the minor moves are? Sometimes the minor moves, you know, maybe they get a pitcher that goes out and wins 12 games next year. And I know Marcus said he was okay with the Wheeler signing. I, I was on this show last week. I'm not in love with it. I think they overpaid him. But you got to give me, that's fine. I'm with you. But then give me the guy they should have signed. Well, I would have said, if you're spending that money, I would have gone and got Bumgarner. Okay. That's me. That's fine. And you might have spent more, and, and we'll, we'll have this conversation in three years and see who the better guy was. Because I, I have no idea. If you're telling me I'm getting the Bumgarner a couple years ago, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's got too much mileage on him. Maybe he's like Robertson. You know, Robertson was really good for like a decade. Maybe he just had too much mileage. I, maybe you're taking a chance on Wheeler with the injuries. But this is how the game is played nowadays. And, you know, and I, I disagree. I, I fall somewhere between Marcus and Todd. I think Girardi will make a, a, a difference, but I don't know if it's enough of a difference like maybe the Phillies are counting on. Yeah. And I do agree with Marcus to a point. They did get a name manager because I think they had to. I think they kind of had to get, if it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be Buck. Jo- or Buck Walter. Yeah, not Davy Johnson. Dusty. I mean, th- those, <laughs> were, Dusty. those were the three names, right, that everybody yeah. was kind of saying. So, I you know, maybe Jordy's not. I mean, he did win one World Series. It was 10 years ago. It was with the Yankees. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm on board with the hire. So... You know, for whatever that's worth. But, I mean, like, are the Phillies going to be the favorites next year? And But, you know, Washington might take a step back. Oh, they could. You know, I mean, who knows? If you're missing Rendon, he was a big part. Zimmerman's not on the team anymore, probably. I would, I would say, though, that the one thing, if I was a Phillies fan, I'd be worried about is you're counting a lot on Reese Hoskins bouncing back. You're counting a lot on Segura being better than he was last year. You're counting a lot on McCutcheon coming back and staying that's, healthy. That's a lot of teams. I mean, that's yeah. if you go through baseball, how many teams are sitting there of the 32 teams saying, well, we're, and not, you're we're also, not counting on a couple but, things. But I think that the other thing is you're also counting on regression by both the Nationals and the Braves. Well, I mean, and we don't know what the Mets are going to be. I mean, I, I have no yeah. idea. The Mets were good the second half. No, I, I think it's more the Braves. I mean, I know they're going to lose Donaldson, but the Braves are pretty good and they're young. Just signed Hamels. The, yeah, well, I don't know. For mean, back in their rotation. Yeah, but I mean, they'll, they'll miss Donaldson a little bit, I think. Will, will, will Smith will be better in their bullpen than anything yeah, they had. But they've got young stars. Yeah. Um. So I'd I worry can, more yeah. about Atlanta because the natural progression of things would tell you that Washington probably is going to take a step back next year. And not from just winning the World Series, but you know, they might not even be a playoff team right. next year. Before we go... Wait. No, before we go, I got a rant. Go. No, what were you going? What were you going to oh, I was going to ask Joel Embiid. That wasn't my rant, but what, what about Joel Embiid? Um, the end of what the do, Toronto, do do the end of the Toronto game, and the seven turnovers in two minutes. Okay, that's what he does, Kevin. <clears throat> I hate to break this to you, but 
But Joel Embiid is a turnover have, machine. He's also you, a guy that scores 30 and 15 like 40 nights a year. So, what? well, he has not – I think uh, an inconsistent start to the season, to say the least. He's been inconsistent his whole career. I don't understand what, what the point you're trying to make is. If you want Joel Embiid to be a guy who gets one turnover a game or two, that's not going to be the guy. So, but when he gets the 30 and the 15, five straight games, which he will occasionally do, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> you know, if you expect him not to be prone to turnovers, especially when he gets the ball 15, 18 feet from the basket and try, and once he puts it on the floor, teams are smart. They immediately go over to him and they're going to, you know, he doesn't pass well out of the, you know, but he's one of the 10 best players in the league. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I am sick and tired of the Ben Simmons and the three-point shot. I'm sick of the coach coming out and telling me, telling the media, tell his agent, tell his tell his girlfriend, tell his, tell his, no, 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 no. The other night, he, once again, he took a three, and, you know, I'm listening to uh, the Fanatic, and, and and one of the things in their update is, and, and in a 40-point game, you know, Ben took a three and made it, and it's two for two. I don't care about – so every single time Ben Simmons takes a three, which is going to be once every fifth game or sixth or eighth game or whatever, if it's not part of the natural offense, I don't care. And it's not part of the natural offense. And it's never going to be part of the natural offense. And I'm more concerned with him taking an eight-foot shot, mm-hmm. a ten-foot shot. Eight, so do you think Ben Simmons is ever going to take a three no. with three minutes to go in a tie ball game? No. Would you want him taking the three? No. Would, okay, so why do we care? Why and, are we worried I, that he'll I shoot think, a three-pointer? I think one of the problems the Sixers have is the fact that you don't know who's going to take that three. But I don't want him taking the well, three. But the, you, don't, you don't have anybody on your floor that could, you know. If I'm a Sixers opponent and they come down the court, you know what I want? I want Ben Simmons taking a three. Here, Ben, go over. We're not going to guard you. You go, you're going to make a few, perhaps. We don't care. That's not what, it's like with the Joel thing. That's not, you got to realize it. These are what these two guys, that's why Jimmy Butler was so important last year. Because Jimmy was the guy who would say, give me the ball. I want it. Game's on the line. Tobias kind of has to evolve into Sort of like, I mean, Joel's the guy you're going to get the ball to in a tie game, hopefully down five feet from the basket and hope he gets fouled and whatever. But I'm just sick of the Ben Simmons, will he shoot, won't he shoot? Why Why doesn't Ben, it's been two and a half years now. He's never explained to us once why he doesn't, does he? No. No. But he's sending out videos in the summer. And my, fav- my favorite is the fact that um, he basically came out and said, you know, People could tell me anything they want. I'm exactly. going to do what I'm going to do. Exactly. And my point is, is for whatever reasons, unknown only to him, he doesn't want to or he doesn't feel comfortable. Why are we continually prodding him? And, and now the coach is prodding and him. And, Mike, maybe this is just an offshoot of what's going on with the Phillies and the Eagles this year. Everybody's put their hopes into this basketball team. Yeah. And... I don't know why, and maybe I'm wrong for saying this, but there's just something with the makeup of this group I don't like. I just don't. I I don't like the style of play. 
I don't like the way they approach it. I, there's and yet just, they're still going to win 55 games. I, I, hear I, everything you, I hear everything you say. I'm not sure they are built for that next level. I That's think, me. Well, but what they told us was, this is what they told us now. They're playing they're built ball. for the playoffs. Right. They're not built for the regular season. They're built for the playoffs. Okay. Uh, that, their words, not mine. I think they were a better team at the end of last year mm-hmm. with TJ or um, JJ. I know he can't play defense. I, I, I understand that. But they had a guy who could shoot the ball, and they had Jimmy Butler who would take the ball at the end of the game. Now, this team may develop. They're, they're probably going to make a trade somewhere. They'll, get, they'll develop their own personality. And it may I be get a two-year process, or, or you know, may, this may not be the year. I don't know that. But I'm just, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. That, um, But we have to learn in this city at some point that Joe, can Joel get a little bit better? Sure he can. But Joel is who he is. He's not going to stop being Joel, and Ben is who he is, and Ben's an all-star. I mean, with whatever we say about him, and he's a turnover. I mean, he turns the ball over sometimes too much, too. He's one of the best defenders in the league. But he's an all-star player. When they announce the all-star teams, and Joel is an all-star player, Mm -hmm. they have flaws. Absolutely. And when we watch him play 82 games, we see all the flaws. Somebody's watching him from a distance, just like I might not see all the flaws in Milwaukee, or I might not see all the flaws of Denver, because I don't watch them all the time. And I don't. But this is what they are. But this whole thing with this him shooting, and I don't want to hear it no more. When he's going out and playing ten games, and maybe one game he never he doesn't shoot. Maybe the next game he shoots three times, yeah. and we don't talk about it. Like, oh my God, Ben shot. No, I, I, I'm, and when, when, when the coach came out the other night, I'm just thinking, why? Like, why? Well, you and I have talked about the coach in the past, and, and there's, there's issues. He must have had a reason why. Yeah, there, there's something going. There really is. I mean, look, they're, a, and here's the other part. They're a great home team. At some point, you got to become a, a decent road team. Well, you're a great road team, but if you don't get home, home team. if you don't get home court. You know, what if they finish as the third seed? Same spot they were last year. I'm just saying, they could. I mean, I... I it's I where they've finished I, the last two I years. they should it's finish for, second, but the Celts are playing pretty good. Milwaukee's playing good. Who, I'm missing some. I know Miami's playing well, but I think Miami... Uh, Miami's starting to take. But is there another team, though, that, that's fairly good? Um, well, you know, Toronto's not. Toronto's not awful. bad. That guy's doing a pretty good job. The Nets are actually... I don't think the Nets are going to finish ahead of the Sixers, but they're playing okay. Indiana, I don't think. I'm I'm loading up the. But if you're third in the East, and you lose in the second round because you didn't have the home court, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Milwaukee's twenty-one and three. Right, they've won like fifteen straight games. Uh, yeah. Uh, Boston is seventeen and five. Miami seventeen and six. Sixers are seventeen and seven. Toronto okay. sixteen and seven. Okay. Indiana's fifteen and nine. I think those are the top six. I think the Sixers will either finish second or third. This is coming into Tuesday night. We should right. point out. I, I, second or third, I think, is where it'll finish. Um, and it doesn't mean they can't beat a team if they're a third seed. It doesn't right. mean that at all. But I agree with you. They're 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 at home. They're almost unbeatable. Um, on the road, twelve and zero at home, five and seven on the road. Yeah, and that's. I, I love the fact that they're unbeatable at home. I mean, yeah, I mean they might go like. 38 and four at home this year. Or yeah. 37 and four at home. I don't know. But if you're 500 on the road, and that might, I mean, have they played like good teams on the road? Or, I mean, I know they lost to Washington, but they never win in Washington for reasons oh. that are 
unknown. That is weird. Like, but what happens when you start playing the Lakers and the Clippers and hey. and the and you know teams like that? All right, they beat the Knicks on the road. That don't count. They lost the Raptors. Um, they lost to the Cleveland or they beat Cleveland at home or on the road. Count. Lost that the Thunder, lost that the Magic, lost that the Nuggets, lost that the Jazz, lost that the Suns. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, uh, you know, their other one of their other wins is against the Hawks, and the Hawks are off. And we knew with the new makeup of the team, it was going to take time. It, was, it, it was. wasn't going to happen. And I don't want them to be the best team in the and NBA. And you never judge an at NBA team at, at, at Christmas. Right. You usually judge it. I would say presence that. But I don't want them to be the best team. Right. Now. I want them to be playing their best basketball in May when they get into that second round against who knows, right. Boston, Toronto, whomever. But I, I still think you look back at last year, they were within a bad bounce of beating Toronto in Toronto and, and in a game seven. Maybe they would have beat Milwaukee. And I don't know what would happen. And Embiid flew. And Embiid had a couple games where he basically, and when Golden State got all, they might have won the whole thing last yeah. year. I mean, it's it's not inconceivable. And yet, and I understand, and I think Joel wanted Jimmy here. Not sure Ben did. That's the word out there, kind of. Okay, they had to make a decision. I get it. Tobias is the safer choice. Jimmy can be a pain in the whatevers. But isn't Jimmy a better player than Tobias Harris? And I'm not knocking Tobias. Maybe there were some people who said you should have kept both. I don't know. If I don't think you could have done that. And I understand why you let Reddick go because, you know, he is a. De- but you have to understand now, you can't shoot threes. <laughs> I mean. And getting something at the deadline is going to be expensive. It's, it's going to be. And you're going to have to add another piece into a already volatile mix. And yeah. that is a. That is a problem they're going to have here. You know the one thing I really like about them, though, is that Embiid's like an 80% free throw shooter. And, like, when he goes to the line, and he should go to the line a lot, Mm -hmm. I feel really confident that he's going to knock down. I don't feel that way with Ben. Oh, no. And, 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 And I think that's one of Ben's issues late in games. I'm not sure he wants to go to the line. The great players all want to go to the line. Kobe yeah. wanted to be on the line. LeBron wants to be on the line. Embiid, Embiid is 80.7%. That's amazing for a center, I think. I mean, not many centers, I don't think, shoot 80. And he's getting to the line about nine times a game. And that's, you know, but, and Tobias has been playing better. Yeah. Um, Simmons, by the way, 58.8% from the line. Yeah, well, it's, you know. And he's going to have nights like the other night where, what do you have, 34, 12, and 9, or, yeah. or whatever the heck he had. And, I mean, it was a 40-point game. Ben Simmons does things that nobody his size can do. Yep. But we're always going to talk about what he can't do. Right. Because we're Philadelphia. <laughs> so let's give you a rundown here on the next couple weeks as we move forward. Uh, we are Our next one will be Friday. Um, our next uh, podcast, it'll be Friday afternoon. If you survive school. Oh, mention your event Thursday uh, yeah. night. On Thursday night. And I'm going to mess this up because I, I, I don't remember the name of the bar. Off the Toll Man Jones. Toll Man Jones. There you go. Right across the street from, from Tony, Tony Luke's. Luke's. So if you know where Tony Luke's in South Philly is, um, just off 95, we did it for years at um, um, the Shamrock, which was at Second and Reed, but the Shamrock has been sold, so we can't do it there. Eddie Barkowitz, my compatriot at the Daily News, and myself uh, will be guest bartending. 
It's for Toys for Tots. You bring a toy, you put some money in the jar, whatever. Uh, Eddie does a great job, raises a lot. We, it's really been successful. And the first drink's on us. It's usually a good time. You never know who might show up. Like, Fran Dunphy showed up yeah. once. Jay Wright showed up once. Yep. Chase Hutley showed up once. Uh, How did he get Utley? He just showed up. It was when we did it at uh, the restaurant that's at Bridget Foy's. Right. There's Chase Utley. He was just... I don't know how, why. I think he, that might have been a place he went to. Yeah. Like just to, you know. And he stumbled in and went, oh, no, sports writers, let me get out of here. No, nah, he was great. He, <laughs> he was, he was, he, he signed some autographs. He, he, which dismayed Eddie a little. He was like, don't ask him for it. Like, but he was good about it. Um, but it's a really good time. It starts about seven. There'll be an NFL game on. What's the third? Baltimore. Baltimore and, and uh, the Jets. We usually do a pool or something with it. And then and me and Eddie will be there. I'll be there. And there you go. Me and you'll be drinking our diet cokes, right? We'll be, we or we'll, no. We'll, I had a beer last night. Okay, well, we'll have a couple of beers in, um, and we go till you know we'll be there till one, two, three. No, I will not. You will not. But Eddie and I usually figure it out. It's, <clears throat> it's a little bit new this year because you have a new venue, so more parking in the old venue. More parking. And it's bigger, I think, too. Yeah, it it's, is. It's uh, so we'll see. But you know, the owners are on board with it, and. Um, it's a really good night. So, yeah. And plus, you'll be helping kids. It's the holidays. Help, yeah. You'll help feel kids. good about yourself. You'll feel good about yourself. So come on down. I take about 10 stuffed animals and 10 Barbie dolls. Okay. And then, so I hope somebody likes Barbie dolls or stuffed animals. <laughs> there's this one gentleman, every year he brings two bikes. Yeah, I've seen the bikes. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. You, you, people, can, you can meet. I know there's a lot of people from Comcast that show up. Yeah, uh, Barkan's been there. D Lineham's been there. Um, Amy, Amy, yeah, Amy's there, and her husband's Sean. Yeah. Uh, there's all kind of people like that. Uh, Bobby Cooney. Well, he's got to get up early now, though. So I, it, I think Bobby may he, stop in as the early one of the early. He arrivals. does sometimes, but he's got. I know he goes to bed, you know, at a relatively early hour these days. Uh, and if you don't bring a toy, there's a jar. And all you got to do is stick a little bit of money in the jar, and then Eddie goes out and buys toys yeah. with the money. It, it's, so, trust me, it's So good. do that. Uh, again, Tollman Joe's, uh, which is on Oregon Avenue, right near, uh, right, across, right the across the street from Tony Luke's, right near uh, Front Street, I guess, is the street. Yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, if, you need, if you need a cross street. Oregon, it's right near. Front Oregon. Front of Oregon. It's right near uh, the 95 um, underpass. It's mm-hmm. at the uh, 95 underpass, so plenty of parking. What are we going to talk about Friday? Well, we're actually on Friday. We're going to have uh, Bob Brook over, who is in San Diego right now. Ah, I like we Bob. almost had Brookie on tonight, um, but the Matt Clintock meeting with the media um, was. But, but that was enlightening. Uh, there's ah, nah, look, I'm there's just... pretty good gigs. Being at the Winter Means in San Diego is a pretty good gig. Being in San Diego for the mini putt putt contest would be <laughs> would be a, a no. San Diego's yeah, that's so, what you should just have it every year. So. That is on. Um, that is on Friday. No college picks. We'll, we'll also pick Army Navy. Well, Army Navy. I'm going to the Army Navy game on Saturday. Good for you. I'm um, taking Navy in a teaser. I'll tell you right now. I don't know. If it's a ten point spread. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Navy's going to win the game. Okay. I just don't know if they're going to cover the ten. Uh, I realized I have to get there early though. Usually. Yeah. yeah even you, more this year. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. You know what? Good for the president. Look, yeah. I'm not going to get into politics. No, here, no politics. But the president at the Army Navy game. I don't care what you think or don't it's think. It's pretty of cool. Him. I, it's he it's should cool. be there. 
I, I've seen Bush. I've seen President Bush there. Yeah. I've seen President Obama there. And, you know, obviously President Trump will be in town uh, reportedly this week, according to the Washington Post. Um, Sorry. Again, elevators will be fun. Uh, if you, you've been you've been there when the president's been there. I don't think I have. Not when the Ooh. president was there. Ooh, it's... Oh, I'm, I it's can tough, only imagine. It's tough navigating. Oh, as it should be. It should. In the world we live in. Exactly. You never know what kind of... Plus also... All the scrambled eggs from the Pentagon that are usually there, too. All I remember, the, the, the retired generals just took the place over. It was <laughs> it, It's actually really cool. But, but that's... I, I'm not the biggest Army-Navy guy in the world. I love Joe, army Joe, But I will say this. Is Joey Otto there? Saturday? He, he probably will be. Where else would he be? On Villanova. Villanova playing? Well, then he won't be. Um, When they walk in, the, the, you know, the procession. It's sharp. I always like the after part. The emotion, you know, you can talk about Alabama, Auburn, and Ohio State, Michigan, to me, are the two right now mm-hmm. rivalries. Army Navy is on a different level. And I, I don't know if people get it because the football teams aren't all Alabama, Auburn. Right. They, I don't mean they hate each other because they're all in this together. They're going to go over and fight wars for us. But they, it, it, it's, it's personal. Right. It really is. But then afterwards, they'll all cry together. All, you know, I, I remember the Navy coach the one year. Mm-hmm. I just broke down and after he won the game. There will not be a more emotional moment in Philadelphia sports this year. And it's not maybe Philadelphia's, but it, within the city limits of a sporting event, than the alma mater playing mm. for the Army. That's the after Navy. the game, right? That's they, after they the sing. game. The, the loser always sings last. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 And for many of these guys, it's the final football game, and that is the dawning point, and that is where it is extremely difficult. If you have never seen an Army Navy game in person, I, I look, it's tough to get tickets anymore. Yeah, you got to go to one. It I, is a bucket list item. I can only imagine what it's like to serve in the military. Right, and, and forget serving in the military. How about just getting through to four years? Right, at the academies. But okay, what these guys <coughs> are doing with the rest of their lives. And, you know, you hear stories of sometimes they don't make it. You right. know, sometimes some of them are going to die. Um, but, yeah, when, when I saw the Navy coach, actually it was about four years ago, and he was crying. Because I think that was a year he almost took another job. They, they yeah. were linking him with the BYU yeah. or something. Because he's, he has he's, more he's from out there. And I'm just watching. And, I, and then I'm getting right. emotional. And I'm thinking, like, Ugh. So... So Friday will be Bob Brook over. We'll also do our NFL picks, our normal Friday football stuff. Taking the Eagles? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, um, I uh, then next week, either Monday or Tuesday. I, I don't think we've set the date. Tuesday might be hard, but we'll we'll see. We're going to we're going to have Chris Carlin on uh, next week, uh, formerly of WIP, now WFAN. Uh, that'll be early in the week. Later in the week, we'll give our football picks and we'll have another. I would assume we're, I'm going to try to get Jason Martinez next week so we can talk a little flyers as we get towards the if, holiday if break. He's allowed. He is allowed. Well, that's, that, yeah, let me warn you. That's Dallas Eagles week. I, I yeah, we, you're we right. Man. Put Jason. Ma- on hold we may have to put Jason on hold. Yeah. Then after Christmas, um, do we know anybody in Dallas? I don't know. I just, can, call, I can try to get skip on the show. Just talking off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Cooperstein. Is Cooperstein still around? Nah, I don't think so. He was a good guy to talk to. He that. was. Um, 
We will have a show on the 23rd before Christmas, and then after Christmas, it is our year-end extravaganza. Uh, we are fortunate. We are, have a great crew coming in. Is that the Pizza Fest? That, that will be uh, uh, John Johnson is uh, committed in once he gets back from Disney World. He's going to Disney? <laughs> He's going to Disney. Over to Christmas? Over holidays? to holiday. That's the worst time to be there. Um, I'm just Jack, Jack McCaffrey is going to be there. Uh, and you and I, and I think we're going to have a few more guests to pop in. Uh, and we'll talk about the year in Philadelphia sports and the decade in Philadelphia sports as we get to the end of the 2010s in three weeks. So I can sum up the decade real easy. February 4th, 2017. <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> the Flyers stunk for most of the decade. The Sixers stung for most of the decade, and right. the Phillies stung for most of the decade. And Villanova won two national titles. I, I, you, you are correct, which doesn't have the same re- resonance, but, yeah, they did. Um, but, I mean, our, the decade. Yeah, February 4, 2018 the decade is from, like, the day that Howard grounded out and his leg went tapioca until the Super Bowl was pretty barren. Yeah, it was. But you got a Super Bowl. Yeah. So... Anyway, so that's our schedule moving forward. We thank you for joining us. We ran a little long, okay. uh, but we're back on it Friday. It was Marcus's fault. No, it's our fault. Okay. All right, we're back on Friday. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for joining us. This has been Work of the Beat. See you on Friday.